Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. This is my fourth attempt at recording this show. Not just this intro, this entire fucking show. Because technology hates me this week. Fuck technology right and it's unlubricated asshole. Seriously, uh, this is what has happened. I've recorded four different versions of the entire fucking show. And all four times it has gone to bounce, corrupted and deleted the original file. Including the entire project file in my recording program. I don't know what the fuck is happening. But I've uh, since defragged and cleaned up my computer. Uh, I've, yeah... Anyway, I'm sitting in my car at the moment, recording on my Zoom H4N, watching people struggle to park their cars. Ironically, with no other cars around them, they're struggling, because people are fucking idiots. Sorry, I'm in a really bad mood. Uh, Yeah, at the moment, it is Sunday. I've been trying to get this podcast out since Wednesday. Uh, please bear with me. If you've been following me on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash the uh, forward slash full metal lockdown or if you've been following me on twitter at the fml podcast you will know that i am having troubles getting episode 27 out on today's show we do have part two of the interview with tricky uh the professional wrestler from pcw wrestling or PCW, pcw wrestling start saying atm machine anyway um Part two of the interview with him, we do have a little bit of that noise that we had issues with in last week's show, but it is a little bit better, hopefully. Anyway, uh, we on today's show, we also have our band of the week, we have our song of the week, and yeah, uh, also right now I'm going to do something that I've done in the past. It's not the most popular thing to do on a podcast, on radio, or whatever your audio medium is. Uh, but I'm going to do a minute silence, and I hope all of you join in with me. You're welcome to skip through it, but I hope you join with me in the minute silence for the tragedies that have happened in the past few days over in France, especially those at the Eagles of Death Metal concert. Uh, yeah, so starting right now. Uh, as I said before, the 
minute silence was for the tragedies that happened in Paris, France over the last few days. But uh, now that we've done that, what do you say we uh, kick off the show? <laughs> Thank you for sticking around and listening to the Full Metal Lockdown podcast, episode 27. As always, I am Tom Roberts. I don't know if I mentioned that in the intro. Uh, on today's show, like I said, we have part two of the interview with Tricky. We actually do have a very good show this week. Uh, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to one of my listeners that decided to uh, message me on Facebook and give me some audio advice. I knew what it was. I just didn't know how to do it because yeah, I didn't have a very good... I had th- four teachers when I was doing my diploma, my advanced diploma, my certificate four, et cetera, et cetera. One of them wasn't very good, and he was the one that was meant to teach me how to do it. But uh, in a few Facebook messages, I learned how to do it. Thank you to Andrew Hansen for helping me out with that. Helping me clean up the interview a little bit. It didn't work all the way because the audio quality wasn't that great by the time I bounced it. But it worked enough to clean it up and make it hearable. And not as painful as last week's episode. So thank you again to Andrew Hansen. I want to remind everybody as well that... uh, I'm going to try and get next week's show uh, ready for everyone, but uh, there are no guarantees. Uh, next week's show might not happen. Uh, as I said in last week's show, uh, I am going under going in for surgery in Canberra on the 20-something of November. So next Wednesday, not this Wednesday coming as you read, as you listen to this, it is currently Sunday the 15th. So next Wednesday, not this Wednesday coming. I am going under the knife. I am uh, possibly having a piece of my jaw removed to get to one of my wisdom teeth. Because when I do stuff, I do stuff right. And I do stuff painfully. Um... But yeah, because of that, I probably won't be able to talk for a little while. And I'm taking about a two to three week, maybe in a month break from the podcast. I know I just came back from my hiatus, but I didn't know the surgery was going to happen. Not this soon anyway. And I thought that it was going to be a quick uh, grab and pull job with my wisdom teeth. But apparently I, my uh, the root of my left wisdom tooth is wrapped around a nerve which controls the movement and the sensation in my face. So if they don't do it properly, it kills my face and I can never do the podcast again. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the Soundwave supplementary announcement, the Soundwave 2016, that has made, for me, that has made the announcement better. Um, the supplementary announcement has Kill Switch Engage, uh, 
who are playing with uh, El Nino and Terry Universal. Uh, two of those, two of that three, have made the show very, very good for me. Uh, those that kill Switch Engage and El Nino. I don't really, I'm not really fussed about Terry Universal to say the least. Uh, sorry, I'm getting distracted. Like I said, I'm in a in a uh, in a shopping mall, and there is a dude like behind me, like kissing the ground. I just think he's in prayer at the moment. That's cool. Anyway, um, I'm just getting distracted because I've never seen it in public before. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's actually kind of cool that he's doing that in public. Especially after all the rants that have been happening of recent about uh about the France attacks and stuff like that over Muslims. And I'll get into that later. I don't agree with it, but I will get into that later. Anyway, uh yeah, the Soundwise two thousand sixteen supplementary announcement. The two thousand sixteen supplementary announcement is is pretty awesome. It's uh set up Soundwise to be awesome. And the devil you know and sound and kill switch engage on the same lineup. I hope something happens where Howard Jones uh ends up going over to sound to the kill switch set and does like a little thing with Jesse. That would be pretty awesome. Anyway, um yeah, so if you haven't been paying attention on Facebook actually, I uh dropped the news uh, I got an email late, later in the week, roughly. I got an email. And uh, on that email was a tour poster and a, uh, and a press announcement. And on that tour poster was a band that I thought was going to play at Soundwave. But they're not because they're doing their own headlining tour. And uh, they rule themselves out for Soundwave. Uh, that band is Seven Dust. Seven Dust, they're doing the Kill the Floor tour uh, in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Friday the 11th of March at Auckland at the studio. Sunday the 13th of March in Perth at the Capitol. Monday the 14th of March in Adelaide at the Gov. Wednesday, the 16th of March, in Gold Coast at the Cool and Gallop, Cool it, Cool and Gallop, sorry, Cool and Gallop Hotel. Uh, Thursday, the 17th of March, at the, in Brisbane, at the Eaton's Hill. Uh, Friday, the 18th of March, in Melbourne, at the 170 Russell. And finally, Saturday, the 19th of March in Sydney at the Metro Theatre. Now, uh, they, once again, they've ruled themselves out for Soundwave by doing that. Um, I shouldn't say by doing that. Uh, they're just not going to be at Soundwave, unfortunately. Uh, but right now, it's time for my Band of the Week. This week's Band of the Week comes from uh, Canberra. I've actually had a few from Canberra over the past few over the past year and a bit. But uh, this band comes from Canberra. They're called Chud. 
C U C H U D Chud. Uh they are the they list themselves in metal. They're from ACC Australia. They're unsigned. They were members of Whiskey Jones. Uh Ozzy and El Supremo. Uh I'm guessing those aren't uh real names. Anyway, um <laughs> if you wanna get in touch with them, uh you can go to actually don't have a listing of how you can get in touch with them. Bands, please start listing how you can get in touch with you. Uh I'm guessing you go to their Facebook page and you send them a message. But they have uh eight hundred and nineteen fans and they're growing in size. But if we don't know how to get in, and this is from a promoter's standpoint, if we don't know how to get in touch with you, we don't know how to book you. Therefore, list it on your fucking social media websites. That's what they're for. They're for your fans, but the about section is for promoters so that we know how to get in contact with you. You don't, when you're the size of Metallica or ACDC, you don't have to worry about it. But when you're the size of Chud, for example, and you're trying to build your fan base, you need to put your information on your fucking Facebook page. And I'm saying that because, like, seriously, as a writer, it's fucking frustrating when people don't do that. And uh, and when bands don't do that, and artists don't do that, it's really fucking frustrating. So please, please do it. Yeah. That's my band of the week. Chut. <laughs> On last week's episode of the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast, I actually said that we were going to talk about this in a segment called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Uh... The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is a Western, as everybody knows. Clint Eastwood, classic. It's got that tune. I am not going to try and imitate the tune because I always fuck that shit up. But anyway, um, it's about song covers. Because recently uh, I was talking with the boys from Terravorous. If you haven't checked them out, go to their Facebook page. Uh, once again, they're one of those bands that don't have their information correctly up to date or the contact information listed on the fucking Facebook page. And I have asked them about it several times and I'm going to yell about it if it's not changed soon. If they're listening to this, change your fucking Facebook. Anyway, um, some covers. I was talking to their lead singer Scott and their drummer James about this. And I think the guitarist Riley might have been there as well. But uh, we were talking about this. Fozzy did a cover of SOS by ABBA. Or ABBA, as the Americans call them. Uh, the Australians call them ABBA. Anyway, uh, they did a cover of the song SOS. And for what it was, it was alright. Uh, I've had a better one by a band called Lab64. That's a shout out to you, Fez. Uh, Fess, sorry, not Fez, he's not a Pez dispenser, it's a double S, not a Z. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, SOS by, by ABBA, 
and it got me thinking what are the uh, best, the worst, and the downright ugly covers that I've ever heard. Now, um, I'm going to do one for each. So, one that was good. And I've got to say, uh, as far as good goes, I don't know. Uh, there have been a lot of really bad covers out there. Uh, to say the least, but um, as far as I'm gonna put it down to, uh, I'm gonna say Alien Out Farms cover of Smooth Criminal is probably the good, probably the best one I've heard of recent. But yeah, Alien Out Farms Smooth Criminal is the good. The bad would go to, uh, not sure, maybe the Limp Bizkit behind Blue Eyes, or maybe even Corn for The Wall. Not because it was a bad cover, it was actually quite a good cover. It's because you shouldn't cover the wall. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, that's a personal belief coming into this show, ladies and gentlemen. I never do that, I swear. <coughs> sorry, anyway, uh, I I digress and then I lie. Uh, the bad would be, yeah, I'll give it to Behind Blue Eyes, which is a cover of the Who song. Behind Blue Eyes, it was covered by Olympia on their album from 2003, I think it was. After Wes Ballin left the band, before he rejoined it. Uh, and the Downright Ugly, I don't know. Um, Downright Ugly? Ah, oh, shit. That's a tough one, because there have been a lot of really ugly uh, covers out there in, in the past. Um, oh man, I don't know, um, yeah, oh shit, I don't know, I'll, I'll answer my ugly next week, because I can't rattle it down to one, I haven't been able to rattle it down to one, like I said in my other segments, it's the fourth time I've recorded this show this week. And that means, and I hit my K's harder. Anyway, uh, that means that I've, uh, in four goes, haven't been able to come up with an ugly. I will by next week's show, so I'll do it again, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've already done the good, which is Alien Ant, but I'm smooth criminal. The ugly, uh, the good, the bad, which is, uh... Limbisca's rendition of uh, Behind Blue Eyes. Smooth Criminal, by the way, is Michael Jackson's song. And uh, The Ugly. I'll do one next week's show because I still haven't whittled it down to the downright ugly version of whatever someone has covered. Um, and someone actually said to me, what about uh, Beautiful... Is it Beautiful People? No, sorry. Uh, whatever one that Manson covered... I can't remember what it was, and it was, I'm like, that cover was actually good. I'm like, why are you saying that was bad? Anyway, um, because I don't, I'm not a big fan of Marilyn Manson, but, yeah, that, his cover of that song was actually quite good. Can't remember which one he covered, though. Anyway, um, yeah, I also wanted to go into because I'm still sitting in my car underneath the shopping center recording this show, and I wanted to go into something uh, that I mentioned a bit earlier. I actually, while I'm sitting in my car, I saw a young man come out of his way 
to go downstairs in the car park, away from everybody else, and do his afternoon prayers. He was obviously Muslim. And there were a few people walking out in the elevator, and I saw one say something to him. I didn't hear what they said, but I wouldn't have been very nice. And from the look on their face and the look on his face, it wasn't very nice. He was just a young kid uh, practicing his religion. And I wanted to go into it because I'm, I'm a part of a few forums on uh, on on the internet uh, about metal. And after the Paris bombings and the Paris uh, attacks and things like that, um, a few people have been going around talking about uh, how all Muslims are extremists and terrorists and how all Muslims uh, should be... Uh, one of them actually said stop and check them before they go to any event. And um, another one said that they should be barred from entering all concerts. That is wrong. I mean, if you think about it, every culture in the world, including the heavy metal culture, I might add, adds extremists. I point out in Christianity, the Westboro Baptist Church picketed Ronnie James Dio's funeral, picketed, or tried to picket, Jeff Hanneman's funeral. They have been known and never convicted to blow up Planned Parenthood buildings. They don't give a shit who is inside. How is that not an act of terrorism? Uh... The black metal artist from Norway that burned down the church and killed those people who's now in prison for life. How is that not an act of terrorism? How is that not an extremist act? I don't usually get into this stuff, but please, guys. Uh, from, from when I was a little kid to now, heavy metal has always been that uh, genre of music, that genre of people, if you want to put it down to that, that has accepted everyone. Just because the attacks happened at an Eagles of Death Metal concert. And I don't believe it was aimed at them personally. I believe it was the fact that it was a packed building that the attack happened. It could have been any band playing as long as that building was packed. They targeted it. And I want to point out that uh, even though I'm saying this, I'm not supporting terrorism or, or, and all that. I'm not Muslim in any way. Um, what I am saying is, please stop getting angry at all Muslims. If we're going to do checks of people before they walk on the concerts, not just Muslims. It will be everybody. Uh, and that that's fair to me. I mean, after what has happened, yes, everybody gets checked on the way in, not just Muslims. I don't like that at all, and I, I, I please, please to all metalheads out there, please stop with this bullshit of it's Muslims causing all this shit. Uh, it might have been the Muslim extremists that caused this attack, but at the same time, like I said a bit earlier, Westboro Baptist Church have been attacking metalheads since the day dot, since Black Sabbath, right Black Sabbath. Westboro Baptist Church, since their formation, have wanted to shut down heavy metal. Now, that being said, uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit. I just wanted to say that. Um, 
you can comment on whatever I said on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Formula Lockdown. Or you can hit me up at, on Twitter at the FML Podcast. Or you can email me formulalockdown at gmail.com and say whatever you want to me. Uh, chances are on this subject because I don't like to get involved. It was just that one, this one time that I do want to get involved and I do want to say something. But if you want to comment on what I said directly to me, you're welcome to go to those open, it's an open forum. You can say what you want. Chances are I won't reply because I don't want to be any further involved in it than other than what I just said. Now, like I said, uh, to lighten up the mood a bit, uh, my daughter, she's turning three in December, on December 7th. My wife and I are busy planning her a birthday party. That birthday party is going to be Marvel and Disney, which are almost the same thing. The Avengers are Disney. But because of that, Star Wars... I might point out, if you're on my Facebook page or my Twitter, uh, the at the at the dot uh, or facebook.com forward slash full middle lockdown, you will know that my daughter dressed as Darth Vader for Halloween. She went to a Halloween concert, in, uh, not concert, Halloween party at Bunnings in Batons Bay. And, yeah, I dressed as Darth Vader. That was her choice, too. We said, hey, we're going to a dress-up party. What do you want to go as? Darth Vader. Oh, fair enough. So we went out and bought her a Darth Vader costume and a lightsaber. And we sent her on our way. Um, but, like I said, we're busy uh, organizing her third birthday party. And for her third birthday, we're getting her a new bedroom. Yeah. Uh, we're renting the house, but uh, we've got permission to put a bunch of stuff on the wall. But we're giving her own princess room. We have a spare room in the back of the house. And uh, we're putting a four-poster still bed in there with, uh, with princess dressing all over it. And then we're putting an Olaf from Frozen, and we got one of his heads, the uh, night lights, and we're putting it on the wall. And then we've got a bunch of uh, Frozen posters and stuff like that that we're putting all over the walls and all this different stuff that we're doing for her. And uh, we're doing all this because my daughter, who is now three, will not spend an entire night in her bed. My son, who is, uh, I think, three months yesterday. Yeah, August. He was born August 14th. So, September 14th, October, November. Yeah, he's three months. <laughs> That's sad, isn't it? I've gotten that little sleep that I don't know my son's own age. <laughs> anyway, uh, he's... Has to sleep in the room with us. He's in between the bass night and the bed. He's boo fed. And my daughter, I think it's because she's a little bit jealous. Uh, she won't sleep the entire night in her own bed. She comes over to our room. 
she jumps into our bed and she pushes me off the bed because obviously my wife, who usually has Augustus, my son, in bed with her, uh, she can't get out of bed. So it's usually me that's getting forced out or falling on the floor. Um, yeah, so we, we're hoping that her new bedroom keeps her in her room the whole night. But anybody out there who is a parent or something of the, or a grandparent even, but anybody out there who knows other tricks to get your child to sleep in their own fucking bed for an entire night without, like, you know, drugging them or doing anything else illegal, uh, can you hit me up on Twitter? at the FML podcast or, or email from middle lockdown at gmail.com or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown. Um, and just let me know your secrets or let me know a secret. Uh, seriously, because I'll do anything to get my daughter to sleep in a fucking bed for an entire night. Uh, that being said, like, I don't mind, because she's three, she doesn't know any better. She's not even three yet. She doesn't know any better. But at the same time, I want to sleep an entire fucking night. And she does stay in her room every now and again for an entire night, but, like, that might last a day. Longest stretch I've had is seven days, and that was last week, and she stayed in her bed for seven days straight. And then on the eighth day, lasted until like 12 and then came in. Some nights she won't even go to fucking bed until 11.30. Yeah, that's another thing. She won't go to sleep. No matter what we do, we turn off all the lights, we run off TVs, we just lay there. She's just awake all the freaking time. And then wakes up at like 7 and then stays up till 12. And then wakes up at 7. And stays up till 12. And it just goes over and over again. Until me and my wife are just physically and mentally exhausted. Anyway. um, So yeah. Once again. Hit me up on social media. if Or the email. If you have any secrets. Or know any tricks of the trade. To uh, get my daughter to go to bed. <laughs> uh, that's not really heavy metal related. But I uh, picked up the mood a little bit from uh, what I was talking about, about the extremists in every culture. Uh, yeah, once again, I wanted to point out with that subject that I brought up before, no, it's very taboo, and it's the, the taboo subject of the moment. But, uh, yeah, I, I just felt that I had to say that, and I don't want to be involved anymore other than what I just said. Uh, and that's because, really, it doesn't affect me. I'm one of those people that only gets involved if, if it is directly affecting me. I live in Batons Bay, for fuck's sake. Uh, if there's a terrorist attack in Batons Bay, or if there's a terrorist attack that uh, hurts a member of my family, then I will get involved. But other than that, everybody else has got it covered by the sounds of it. We have people on both sides of the fence, and we have people on one side of the fence, people on the other side of the fence. Uh, but, yeah, either way, 
yeah. So uh, right now we're going to get into the song of the week. And then after the song of the week, uh, we're going to go straight into the interview with Tricky. I'm not even going to, there's going to be like a little stinger, as I like to call him, the, uh, the thing that plays right before the interview. And that's going to play, and then I'll straight after the song. And then the interview is going to start, and then I'll come back after the interview and talk again. Uh, because obviously the interview was previously recorded, so I'm not doing it live as I record this podcast. Sorry to break the illusion. I don't want to break the illusion, but none of the big guys do it either. None of them record live while they're recording their podcast, unless the guest is co-host. Anyway, um, the song of the week this week, it was a song of the week that was supposed to be uh, the song of the week right before the podcast went on hiatus. I actually recorded an entire episode of the podcast before it went on hiatus that was never released. That episode had a live interview with uh, two of the members of Squashin. Yep. Uh... Yeah, it was actually not a bad episode. Uh, the band of the week from that episode was Taravorus, if I'm not mistaken. But I, at the time, they were called Art and Craft Must Die. Anyway, uh, no, wait, that was the week before. That was the last episode before we went on a hiatus. But anyway, um, yeah, right now... The song of the week is from Bank from Sydney called Breaking Orbit. The song of the week this week is called uh, When Answers. Sorry, <laughs> I've got it written down and my handwriting is really bad. But once again, the song of the week this week is from a Sydney band called Breaking Orbit. The song of the week this week is called When Answers Starts to Cry.
second week on the show on the full metal lockdown podcast i have from all the way from melbourne and pcw i have tricky welcome back that's right this is tricky i'm back i told you i'd be back and hey the fingers were crossed i didn't break my neck and um, i'm still an active wrestler so uh let's bring on let's bring on uh september 14 and let's try and take those three on one yeah now uh Speaking of September 14th, you were the state champion, were you not? And you actually uh, lost I, I, it. I, yes, that's right. I had this, uh, it was an I quit match against a guy called Mark Cage. And he's just not any guy. He's actually the PCW national champion. Mark Cage is quite an interesting story, actually. He's one of the guys who came up through the PCW Academy, uh, started at the very start of 2010. Uh, it must be like January 10 or something like that. Anyway, um... Very early on, Mark Cage, you could tell, just had it. You could tell. He was only a young guy. But um, he actually, not too long, he, he started having matches, uh, 2010, and then he did his ACL. He actually did a very bad knee injury, and he had to have a full knee reconstruction. You know, 17-year-old kid, full-blown knee, knee reconstruction. Um, and early on, we thought, God, I hope that's not the end of him. You know, that's what the people were saying as well. Hope it's not the end of him. 
not only was that not the end of him, he hung around crutches any way he could do it. You know, he was jumping on commentary, finding a way to stay involved. Then when he was ready to go again, he was like a man possessed. In the gym, killing it, and um, then he became the PCW Slam champion, which as we talked about last week's podcast, it's kind of like the equivalent of our NXT, our junior championship. Then he went on to become the state champion. And then he went on to become the PCW national champion this year. And he is built like a unit. And he's honestly, he's, he's become one of the scariest guys in Australian wrestling. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't just say Victorian. I'd say Australian wrestling in general. And he, seriously, this guy's a killer. So I had this I quit match. And late last year, December last year, I actually had a cage match with, with Mark Cage. Um, and we, we met mid this year. And the level difference between December and July of Mark was, was absolutely incredible. Uh, he went on to defeat me on that night for the PCW State Championship, and the same night he went on to win the National Championship. Well, we actually met each other in the I Quit match, and it was a bit of a grudge match because Daniel Swagger, who we talked about last week, uh, he was actually retired. Uh, Mark Cage beat him at a show, PCW Carnage, and retired Daniel Swagger. So he's done. He's finished. And... Anyway, um, obviously Tricky's fighting fighting for Daniel Swagger. And, yeah, we had the I Quit match. And his crew, they're called the Supremacy. There's a bunch of them. Chris Trio, there's Tom Philippe, Nash Archer. They've all come out. And Tr- Chris Trio's beaten up Mr. Big on the stage, who, if you don't know who Mr. Big is, he's actually the celebrity dwarf. He's quite famous, Mr. Big, and if you look up the name Mr. Big Dwarf, I'm pretty sure you'll find some interesting articles on him, not just his little company, Dwarf My Party, which go out and do, like, sort of, you know, parties and that kind of stuff. But he's all over the news. He's done Hey Hat Saturday, and anyway, they're they're beating him up, and he's one of my best friends. And so it got to a a point where Tricky said, all right, will you stop beating him up if I say I quit? They say I quit, so Tricky quit. And... um, Immediately, Tricky won his rematch. He won his state championship rematch. Mark Cage went on to, again, again, beat Tricky for the state championship and hold both championships. Now, what Mark Cage does, this is the type of guy, to set a little bit of example for you. When Mark Cage defeated Tricky earlier in the year for the state championship, he handed the championship to one of his supremacy members, Chris Trio. Now, when he defeated uh, Tricky again, he handed the championship back to Chris Trio. So the Supremacy have all the championships, and now they want Tricky's career. And on September, on September 14, I'm going to be running the gauntlet. It's going to be Tricky battling it for the state championship. If I win, I get the state championship. I've got to beat Tom Philippe, Chris Trujillo, and Nash Archer all in one night, one after the other in matches, or my career's done, and that's it. I wrap it up, and I join Swagger on the sidelines. And we started together. And we always said we'd end it together, and we just might. Oh, wow. Oh, well, it sounds like it's going to be hard, and uh, I've got to wish you the best of luck. I know I would be stopped if I tried to do something like that. For one, my cardio is just wrecked, but uh, I don't know yeah, what I would do I mean, if well, I tried to take I mean, on like three I, guys. Like I said, it's one of those things. Um, we've got quite high-intensity training at the PCW Academy. I mean, I was making quite a light-hearted joke about breaking my neck. I'm not going to break my neck at training. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we push ourselves. We've, and not just at the PCW Academy. We're in the gym. We're at a place called PTC in Roeville doing powerlifting. Um, we, we've, we've really got a real community 
at, at TCW as far as our training goes, as far as our uh, morale. You know, we've got real moral support amongst our peers. Oftentimes, you're going to have a couple of people come through, get disgruntled. You know, end of the day, I always look at it like this. Hard work pays off and dreams come true. So if you can make the hard work pay off and you can go out there and you can perform in front of those hundreds of people, thousands of people, then, man, you're doing well. And it doesn't just apply for wrestling here. It applies to music as well. If you're a local band and, you know, you're just playing the local venue and this could be your little community centre, you're playing for those 50, 60 people, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it for what it is. Because I saw my brother come up through and, and he did all that. He, he played the venues. Then he started playing the pubs. Then he started playing some bigger shows. Then before you know it, he's playing with Phil Sobrano. And, um, you know, you just got to pay your dues and you've got to make, make what you can of it because there's always opportunities out there. But if you're nice, you treat people well, and you work hard and you encourage people to work hard around you, you'll get that in return. Some people are going to get disgruntled because they might not like hard work, and that's fine. But I, I like hard work. I mean, I'm a hard worker, and I feel like at PCW Anniversary on the, uh, on the 14th of September, I'm going to be uh, having probably three of the hardest matches of my entire career in one night. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited, but at the same time, very nervous. It's going to be a great night, actually. Uh, now, to watch it, you have to be in a live attendance, don't you? Or is it going to be uh, live cast over the internet? Well, we release all our DVDs, uh, you know, Um Yeah, we've got a shop on there where we release all our DVDs. Uh, it, um, live casting is something we're actually looking into. Uh, it's, I would say, you know, in, in, in quite a few months' time, but it's definitely an avenue that we're, we're looking into. So our reach of our audience right now consists of, uh, you know, as far as attending, we get about three, 400. But um, if we do a show like Warnable, which was our big packed stadium show that we did, we, we drove a 1,200. And actually, if you go on my, my web page, my YouTube page, trickytube.com, T-R-I-K-K-I-Tube.com, I've got those matches on there. We did back-to-back Warnable shows. And it's a lot of effort, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, Australian wrestling can draw. People think that it's like it, it, it's something that's not popular anymore. Yeah. Well, it's not popular. It's not popular because people don't know it exists. If you let people know it exists, they'll go and see it. But you've got to have marketing. You have marketing. You got to have money and all these types of factors. Yeah. You know. So again, you know, it, it's sort of our goal to promote the industry, grow the industry, and hopefully create something special. Like I said before, I, I've been a wrestling fan since I was two years old. Like, literally, I've, I haven't missed a week of Raw since I was two years old. I'm a, I'm a pretty massive fan, and I've been ordering pay-per-view. My very first pay-per-view is probably the greatest pay-per-view I've ever watched as well. It was uh, in November of 2002. It was a WWE pay-per-view. It was Survivor Series 2002, and it was uh, technically first match back of Shawn Michaels since he broke his back. It was actually the second match back. It was the uh, very first Elimination Chamber match. Okay, because I remember you also wrestled Triple H. Yeah, you wrestled um, Triple H in in SummerSlam, but that was an unsanctioned match. So technically Ah, they don't call it his uh, return match. Yeah, yeah, I've been a huge, huge fan since back then. My dad actually took me to... In I think it was 2000, 
took me to a, a live event at my local RSL for uh, IWA. Yep. Which is, uh, what's his name? Um, Mark. I can't remember his last name. I'm sorry if he's listening to this. No, no. He's since no, retired. <laughs> I know that. But uh, like ZZ Hawks was on the uh, on the bill, and so was uh, Mick Dymoski. It's about the only two names oh, I can mate. remember. But yeah, yeah, was... Bully the Brawler, Ricky Diamond. I'm sure Mario Milano probably put his hand up to work that show. Well, <laughs> he, unfortunately, he wasn't there. I know he's in the <laughs> IWA Hall of Fame, though, but unfortunately, Mario wasn't there. And Dad was really hoping he was because Dad grew up watching WCW Australia and his favourite of all time is Ron Miller. Oh, yep. Yeah. And Larry O'Day. Oh, fantastic. And, yeah. But, um, yeah, I was actually going to say that to ask you a question. Uh, who are your favourite Australian wrestlers from both the past or present? I mean, look, as far as Australian wrestlers go, as a youngster, I wasn't exposed to it too much. Um, locally, as far as, like, the local talent, there was a person who was my favourite, and his name was Spike Steele. And he was at, I actually had the opportunity to be coached by him as well. Uh, I feel like I learned early on the most under this guy called Spike Steele uh, than I had anyone else. And it's because he was, as far as a trainer goes, he was very caring, he was very nurturing, and he knew how to get the message across. But on top of that, he actually knew how to wrestle. Like, you'd see people wrestle Spike at, 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 the, at the wrestling centre at PCW Academy, and he would tie him up and he'd throw him around, and he was just, he understood the, leg, the legitimate side of it. Because this is the one thing when it comes to professional wrestling, is people don't understand that there's a real legitimacy to professional wrestling. They think it's just a show. They think it's, oh, you know, lights, camera, action, a bit of bullshit and thrown in the middle. No, no, no. It's, it's one of those things where it's a pure art form and it is a martial art. It really is a martial art because if you know how to perfect it, you can use it. But the problem is no one knows how to perfect it. <laughs> you know, so, and, and that's where the origin of professional wrestling is wrestling. You, know? yeah. you look at the Stu, the Stu Hart, all those stories, people don't know who Stu Hart is. Bret Hart's father used to have a dungeon. He'd take people down there and basically stretch them apart. He'd wrestle them to the ground and then rip their their bodies limb from limb, essentially what became like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. what you see with the UFC and all that kind of stuff. But there's a very real element to wrestling. I mean, I'm not saying that I put myself up against UFC fighter or anything like that, but what I am saying is um, there is a real legitimacy to it. And I felt like with Spike, he was the first guy to really connect me to that and make me understand that, hey, you see that waist lock you've got? Don't hold it like that because what happens if in real life he wanted to pull away? He just sort of stepped away from me. He goes, I can just pull away. He goes, no, pull me in. Pull me in tight. Now pick me up. And if I wasn't picking him up correctly, he'd show me how to correctly pick someone up. He goes, do you play footy? And I said, oh, I'll play school footy. He goes, well, next time you do, get a tackle like that, pick him up and, and slam him and see what happens. And I did it. And I could have, I, I grabbed this guy from behind and I could have German suplexed him. I could have thrown him backwards over my head. I was a little guy and he was a massive unit. And he was, I heard him in the air. He goes, oh my God. He couldn't believe this little dude had picked him up. And it's because of proper form, you know? And, um, and, and sorry to get in the way a little bit from your question, but, no. yeah, Spike still was a guy I looked up to. Um, but as far as my favourites of all time, without question, the first one that comes to my head every time is Hulk Hogan. He's, he was my John Cena. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, I was a little kid. He was my... I'm telling you now, if I was a little kid growing up today, John Cena would be the guy. Yeah. You know, I'd, 
Uh, he'd, he'd be my number one. Um, but yeah, and then as Hulk Hogan sort of disappeared to WSW, I was always a WWE fan, more yeah. so than WSW, which is funny because I was probably exposed to a little bit more WSW. But when I started, when Hulk Hogan disappeared, I started watching Bret Hart. And it was my dad. My dad used to say to me, he goes, you see that guy, the hitman from um, the Heart Foundation? He's going to be good. I can just tell he's going to be really good. He's just different. And my dad didn't know a lot about wrestling, but he knew enough to know who was good. And he picked Brett. And then Brett went on to be, in my opinion, as for the, the greatest technical wrestler of all time. Yeah. You know? And, um, and, and so it was great because I grew up, on one hand, watching the showmanship of someone like Hulk Hogan, and as we talked about in the previous podcast, you said, you know, you talk to bands out there and say, what's someone like a Hulk Hogan? Look to the way they connect to the audience. Look at the way they talk to the audience. They, he has a special bond with, with the audience that, that other people, observers looking in, don't really understand. But it works. Yeah. You know, and that's what the Hulk's always had. And then you had someone like Bret Hart, who was just excellent, you know? If you're going to talk about, like, because people said that Bret wasn't as charismatic. Well, if we're going to bring it back to music again, seriously, think about it. How charismatic is Slash? <laughs> exactly. He, he wears a he hat and he his, never talks. Exactly. Because he, do, he, doesn't, he doesn't want the big deal. He wants to go in there and he wants to be the absolute best guitar player he can be. And he shreds it. He kills it. And he didn't so, need to uh, talk because of that. Exactly, man. So, so on one hand, over, over here, I've got Paul Stanley. And on the other hand, I've got Slash. <laughs> so I'm getting the best of both because I'm getting the showmanship and I'm getting the technical ability on me growing up. So that, I always felt like these these are my two guys. That's why uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, when they took on each other, it worked so well. It was like exactly. paper and glue. They just fit together perfectly. Yep. And on the other the other side of that, Owen and Brett, like Owen Hart, Brett's younger brother, when they mm. worked together, it was the same thing. It just clicked so well. Like uh, for me personally, uh, SummerSlam 1994, the cage match between Brett and Owen is one of the greatest matches of all time. I, I and, agree. And I agree. like I remember watching that when I was a little kid, and then just like my eye, like on VHS. Uh, my eyes were just glued to the TV every single second because the story those dudes told in that ring, it was just amazing. People also don't understand that. Like, uh, my brother, for one, uh, and a few other of my friends growing up say, why do you like wrestling? It's fake. Okay, yeah, but watch, like, and I show them certain matches. I'm like, try not to get emotionally invested in these matches, I do. And that's the point. Those guys could take you on that that trip, that story. Exactly, man. And and you mentioned, you know, Brett Nolan. It's funny you say that. I think probably my favourite match of all time, like if anyone ever says what's your favourite match of all time, I actually think it's Brett versus Owen from WrestleMania 10. Yeah. I've, I've watched that. I think I know that match back to front. I've watched it that many times. It's just, man, that night, because um, earlier in the, in the night, Brett loses. You know, spoiler alert. I just spoiled it for you. But earlier in the night, Brett loses, and then later in the night, he goes on the win the heavyweight championship. And Owen Hart just had the biggest win of his career. He beat his big brother, the guy who's, you know, basically all that in the, all that in the bag of chips. And um, then he gets the biggest win of his career. And then later in the night, Brett goes on to win the championship, and Owen comes out and just looks sad. 
Yeah. And I remember, I remember the kid watching this and just going like, oh, that, suck it on. I was, I was like, yeah, <laughs> good. You know, because Brett, Brett's my guy. So I'm like, yes, Brett got the title. You know, I was so shocked that he got rolled up because Owen rolled up Brett. I'm like, I can't believe he beat him. Little did I realize that the story they were going to take us on. Yeah. You know, Brett versus Owen feud. I, I put that up there as probably one of my favorite feuds ever in the history yeah. of wrestling. But again, you talk about how your brother doesn't get it or how some of your friends don't get it. And even probably some of these listeners, they're probably saying right now, why am I listening to this crazy wrestling guy talk about, you know, his three-on-one contest and Mark Cage and Supremacy and Owen Hart and Bret Hart? Well, it's because wrestling's like religion. Right? It really is. You either get it or you don't. Yeah. And, and and if you get it, you love it, and you can't stop talking about it. I've never had a conversation with you in my entire life. Yeah, exactly. yeah we're having an awesome conversation yeah. because we get it. Yeah, exactly. We've been on the phone for over an hour, and like you said, we've never talked before. And it, it's simply because we're both, well, you are a wrestler, and I'm a huge fan of Mark. And, is... and not just that, man. I've never lost sight of being a fan. There's a lot of guys who I met who are like, oh, I'm now a wrestler, right? I'm a wrestler, so I um yeah I'm not a fan anymore. No, you're always a fan. Yeah. You're always a fan. It doesn't matter how it looks at it. I mean, I've I've started doing reviews for WWE DVD. I'm sponsored by WWEDVD.com.au, and they said to me, you know, we we love the fact that you wrestle and you're a fan. It's just it's it's awesome because we we never really see that. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm not like a mark or anything. I'm not someone who's you know. No, I'm just, I, I, I'm happy to say, hey, I'm a professional wrestler. I love what I do, but I also love the, you know, also love watching WWE as well. For those out there listening, can you explain what a mark is? Uh, yeah, I guess that's, um, you were talking in the last podcast about the wrestling lingo, otherwise known as carny talk. Well, uh, if, if, you, if you have a bow and arrow and you're looking to shoot it, you want to shoot it at a mark. Okay, that's your bullseye. That's your target. That's the thing you're going to hit. Now, if you're a professional wrestler and you're wrestling, you're you are wrestling in front of fans. You're wrestling in front of spectators, but you're looking to wrestle in front of marks. You're looking to see what people will react to the storytelling. Like you mentioned before, you know the story it can take you on. Yeah. Well, hey man, if if you're if you're in a match. And you see that one person who's emotionally invested in the match and they're screaming their lungs out, you know, and you're a bad guy and you see that, that's just like, I just go, this is my opportunity to strike. So they'll go over and they'll say to the mark, you, you stand up, you do something about it. And the yeah. mark will stand up, they'll give them a bit of advice and then, you know, the, the, the good guy might come back. Um, so, so, yeah, you would, you would probably refer to a mark as a invested fan. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely a mark. <laughs> I just have to say, and I, 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 when I have the money, I buy all the gear too. Uh, and then there's the, uh, then there's the flip side to it. There's the smart, which is a smart mark, which is a smart fan. They think they know it all. They think they've got all the little insiders. They know what's going to happen. They're known as a smart fan or a smart mark. Yeah, to an extent, I'm one of them too, but not uh, not overly. I still, I try and keep away from spoilers. I try and keep away from uh, dictating what's going to happen or telling my friends what's going to happen because I still <laughs> like it. to be fun, invested. It? Exactly, it's all part of the fun. I, man, 
it's funny. We've got a guy, and he, he's actually he's one of my friends as well. He suffers from autism, and um, he's got a form of autism. He's never really been diagnosed exactly with what he's got, but his name's Jonathan, and he's he's literally our super fan. He, he comes to all our shows, and and he's in the crowd, and he's always dressing up and all that kind of thing. If, if, if a wrestler walks out, like say a guy called um, you know, Anthony Dangerfield, he walks out, he'll put Anthony Dangerfield shirt on. He'll have the little two-by-four or whatever the Dangerfield carries in his hand, and he'll be screaming for him. Then if I walk out, he'll quickly change his shirt. He'll chuck a tricky shirt on. And and he's funny because he kind of has this ability to be able to switch into fan mode, you know, and it's all real to him. He gets emotionally invested. He'll be crying. He'll be laughing. He'll be, he'll be having all these kind of emotions. But then at the end of the night, he'll still come up to you and say, hey, Shane, can I get a lift home? <laughs> I'll be like, no, worries, no worries, Jonathan. And he knows the difference between Tricky and Shane. Yeah. And and you know that's that's what um, I love about this industry. You know, he's being exposed to people like Jonathan, people who may not, to a certain, you know, he may not have a place with some people. Some people just don't, whether they don't have time for him or what. But I get to have the opportunity to be exposed to these beautiful people, and. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very rewarding. I know Daniel Swagger, he, he says many times, many times over, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things for him that, 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 that kept him going for so long is putting smiles on kids' faces. He goes, you know, he'd look out to the audience and one of his signature things was that he would win, he would win a match and he'd bring all the kids in and he'd lift, he'd lift the kids up on his shoulders. And that was kind of his signature. But, but these are the types of things that keeps you going, keeps yeah. your passion alive. And um, it's it's really cool. It's it's, it's the, the marks. It's the smarks. It's it's the general fan. It's the dad bringing the son along for the first time. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, here's the uh, smart coming out in me. That's why uh, the what the IWC is saying, the Internet Wrestling Community. The internet Wrestling Community. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're all saying that John Cena will never turn heel <laughs> because of his relationship with children. And WWE just don't want to sacrifice that. It's entirely possible, man. Yeah. Um, if, if you know, when you talk about one of the greatest role models, I, I look. If you if you look at all the positivity, like if you put in a bubble versus the world, all the positivity that John Cena has brought to the world, man, that's a lot of bubbles. You know what I mean? That's that's something that that's up there, with Hugh Jackman. That's up there with the best, with the best of all time, and and um, arguably surpassing people like Hulk Hogan. You know, and it's, I mean, Hulk's always going to be the greatest ever. But as far as someone like John Cena's concerned, the amount of positivity that guy's brought in, um, I'm not just saying it from a brand point of view. I'm saying it from a point of view as that little kid growing up. You know, looking up to someone like Hulk Hogan. I tell you now, if I was a, if I was a little kid still there, I still would have supported Hulk Hogan in in WO. I still would have done it just because I was that much of a Hulk Hogan fan. But 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 if all of a sudden he was like, I went to a show and he acted like a jerk to me, I'd be pretty upset. Yeah. You know? And I feel I feel like John Cena is genuinely that guy that you see. Uh, it's it's a case of what you see is what you get, and that's what pisses people off. That's what, because tall poppy syndrome, man, that's an Australian saying, tall poppy syndrome. People see the best and they want to chop down the best. And John Cena, it, you know what? I look at it like this. John Cena was cool to boo, like ECW era. 
Rob Van Dam when you know John Cena throws the t-shirt to the crowd and the crowd throw it back at him. I was watching the ECW pay per view, pissing myself laughing, going, "Ha ha, suck it, John Cena!" You know. I remember I was watching that live as well. Exactly, you know, and then and then as it sort of goes on, and you go, "Holy crap, this guy isn't just the hardest worker as far as in ring is concerned, as far as the gym is concerned, as far as the tour." The meet, he's broken the, the record for me to wish. Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, make a wish foundation. He's yeah. broken the record. Yeah, he this shattered guy, it. He, mm, no one's that, ever going to catch him. Yeah. And, and it's not because of anything, besides he, he lives it. Hard work, you know, he has that whole never give up thing. It's not just a gimmick, it's not just a saying. And the hustle, loyalty, and respect thing that he has. On, if you go on Twitter, like right, right now, I mean, What's the date today? It's the 4th of 11th, 2015, just in case people listen this down the line. But I just saw a story today. John Cena broke his squat record. You know, he's pushing 40 years old. Yeah. And he just lifted his, his biggest squat ever. Yeah. And I'm talking like, it was something like ridiculous, like 280 kilograms. Oh, no, it was something insane. <laughs> and like, he's working. 600 pounds or some crap. Yeah. His work ethic is crazy. People don't realize, and I explain this to my wife. He's torn his pec off his chest. He's torn his bicep off the bone. He's broken his neck for Christ's sakes, and he's still going because he believes that he's needed and he wants to keep going. Well, I think I think it's more that. I think it's more the fact that he wants to keep going and he has the passion and he has the drive to not let people down. His story is never give up. And he lives by that, and he believes in that. And, and that's, a, that's a really big morale thing. And, you know, if you look at some of the bands, like, hey, you want to take a, a, a never give up saying, look at Asking Alexandra. Yeah. You know, never give up. Man, they should have given up when, um, what's his name, left the band. Yeah. You know, and, and here they are. They find a new singer. They bring out two songs, and they're killing it. Yeah, exactly. Or and it's like people cannot wait till the next Asking Alexandra album comes out because they're like, Oh my God! They've pulled out the ass. They've got a really good singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like a band like we were talking about earlier, Drowning Pool, like yep. that their lead singer died uh, well over a decade now. Yeah, and they replaced him yep, and just going. kept going. Like, yep. that's yeah. I fully understand that. So, uh, actually, I should probably get back to some of the questions I wrote down. We're getting off on massive tangents, and I love it. Oh, mate. It's great. Welcome, welcome to talking a tricky. <laughs> uh, so what is your best or worst experience at a wrestling show? Uh, your favorite opponent? Why? Uh, look, my, I, it's a tough question, man. I've, um, I'm, I'm going to look at my list right now. I'm going to pull out, and I'm going to keep talking at the same time. And I've had a lot of matches now, you know, and um, when you talk about like favorite opponents, it's, it's really hard because what you do is you create a, create a relationship with your opponent as far as, you know, you start to, you start to learn who they are, both in the ring and outside the ring, because you've got to spend time with them. Um, the biggest, probably my biggest feud that I ever had, which is the big involvement, was with my best friend, Daniel Swagger. Um, we had, we had pulled a couple of run-ins. Uh, 2005, I actually won the, my first ever Cruiserweight Championship off Daniel Swagger at a show called PCW Carnage in 2005. 
Um, we threw me off tables and sorry, threw me off stage through tables. Um, we did cage matches and everything, you know. Um, and then you look at someone like Mark Cage today, who every time I wrestle Mark Cage, it's like that's my favorite match ever. That's 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 my new favorite match ever. So yeah, I mean it's, it's really hard. But I'm just pulling up that list right now. <laughs> All right. Tricky matches, and I'm going to scroll down to the matches. No, what I do is every time I wrestle, I actually make note of um, the match I had. I wish I'd have done this a little bit earlier because I lost a few. But as far as my recorded matches on paper, I've had 259 recorded matches. And when you think about the number 259, that's 259 basically weekends, you know, of, 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 of pro wrestling, not including the stuff like when I refereed all the shows there. That's actually my in-ring stuff. And that's not including me doing commentary on our slam shows, uh, being involved. You know, I'm involved in more than just actually the wrestling side of things. As far as the PCW Academy is concerned, when they run the slam shows, I'm there. I'm backstage. I'm in the sound. I'm at commentary. You know, I'm, I'm all over the place because I want to I help out where I can as well. But, um, but as far as, like, favorite matches go... Oh, man, yeah, I'd say Mark Cage and Daniel Swagger are definitely up there at the moment. But there's a laundry list of other people. There's a laundry list of other people. And I think one of the the, the greatest, it's, it's sort of, this is a little bit of a double-edged sword, this one. One of the best experiences and the worst experiences in professional wrestling was wrestling Colt Cabana. Um, I wrestled Colt Cabana in was it 2013. It could be 2012 now. God, time's escaping me. But um, that's, again, that's on my YouTube page. And if you watch it, that's one of, probably one of the best matches I've had. If you look at it from from start to finish, entertaining the crowd, keeping people invested in the story. You know, here's this superstar from the States who's known around all, all the world in professional wrestling. Um, more so known as Sam Punk's best friend, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's, here's Little Tricky from Melbourne, Australia. And I'm not going to lie, Colt's a jerk. Jo- oh, Colt really? is Colt's a jerk, man. Oh, he wow. Is. He, I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah, neither was I. It's, it was a little bit like finding out Father Christmas isn't real, you know? Oh. And um, and it's it, it, not for any other reason. It's not like he had anything against me. It's not. He just he just felt like you just you looked at him and he's just like, I'm sad. I'm sad. That's the way it felt like when I was around coaches. I'm sad. And it's like, come on, man, cheer up. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you're and in I'm Australia. Like, what other but, industry in the world can take you to Australia to do your Here's job? the thing. Here's the thing. When the red light came on, when it was showtime, Colt Cabana was the coolest dude you'll ever meet in your life. Hey, Colt Cabana! Woo! He's doing the dance and he's doing the gimmicks. He's shaking his knees. He's, he's all over the place. Then... The red light goes off, and uh, yeah, he's just uh, he's just cold again. Man, I'm just cold. It's a dude, man. Just a dude. All right. Stop. Yeah. And I'm like thinking to myself, "Wow, man." I'm just thinking, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy, man. I'm 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 happy to be in Melbourne. I'm happy doing my stuff at PSW Academy, and I'm happy to do this forever as long as I'm happy. But I don't want to be traveling the world and be that guy, yeah. you know. And um, and and I think the more stories that I've, I've started hearing on podcasts and things like Jim Cornette, you know, the, there's things like that that are starting to come out on Colt Cabana, 
And I think it's just almost like it's gotten to a point for him where it's just, it's difficult. It's difficult to make it to the big time and never be able to reach a pinnacle. You know, and I feel, I feel like, I feel bad for him to a certain extent. But at the same time, um, I do feel like there's a legion of people there who absolutely love him. Love him. And to, look, he's really good with his, with his fans. He is. Yeah. And, and you probably, you probably hear few stories of how he's a jerk to people. But if you have $20 in your hand and you give it to him and you buy a Colt Cabana t-shirt, you buy a hat, you buy whatever, he's your best friend. You don't have, you don't have that $20 in your hand, doesn't want to know you. Oh, okay. You know? And, um, and, and, and it's, it's a little bit of a knock on the wrestling industry that because I feel like I feel like there's people out there that take our audience for granted and I hate this you know I, there was a there was a guy who came up to me and said hey Tricky I want one of your shirts and he always comes to the show and I always see him as the dude throwing up the tomahawk and he's always cheering Tricky and he's like oh I want one of your shirts I'm like cool cool I'll get you a shirt I'll get you a shirt I forgot for a couple of months and he's and he messaged me he's like, dude you give me I gotta get a shirt I'll give you I'll give you the money I'll give you the money anyway I rock up one day at a show and I throw the shirt at him. He's just in the he's just in the crowd. I throw a shirt at him. He's like, Oh, you want money? I go, dude, no. I can't take it. You know. Because because it, i guess maybe maybe even though I'm I'm thirty, I'm still young to the industry, I don't know, maybe some people would feel that way. But I don't wanna hustle the people that support me. I feel I don't like the hustle to a certain extent, but at the same time, um you know, I, I guess I'm also not purely in for the money I'm in it because I love it and that's my passion yeah and um and, and, and that's where like I'm not just taking the Colts he, he's just one person here you know but this is how the wrestling industry kind of is if you ever go to a Wrestlemania it's it's kind of sad like, it's kind of sad you go to these like wrestle cons and that kind of stuff and it's like hey um give me your money and it's like oh who's that guy who's that guy? you look over I swear he's a bisco Oh, there's Kurt Angle over there. Oh, God, you know. And, yeah, they're just like, I mean, some of them are really nice, but a lot of them, if you don't have 20 bucks in your hand, they don't want to know you. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it's kind of sad. But, uh, you know, I, he, he's a, I hear great things about Tommy Dreamer. I hear Tommy Dreamer's a great guy. I hear, and so it's not representing the entire wrestling community. It really isn't. I hear that there's plenty of guys out there who, who will go out of their way to talk to the audience whether they have 20 in their hand or they don't. But I feel like there's a large portion of people who have forgotten why they've gotten into the industry, and that makes me sad. But at the same time, you know, is what it is. And um, yeah, so to, to answer your question on that one, I feel like um, one of one of my highlights is Colt, but one of my one of my downlights to a certain extent is Colt as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Do you have any ambitions or any plans, I should say, uh, to go overseas to an overseas company if you can, like uh, uh, WWE or NXT or TNA even or Ring of Honor, to a lesser extent, even Evolve, or not just America, uh, Old Japan or New Japan or A1 or anything like that? It's kind of funny because um, it, it, to a certain extent, it is a difficult question because there's a, a total fire in me that does want to go overseas and does want to make it to the big time and, and all that kind of stuff. But the other side of me, and this is the bigger part of me, and this is the part that matters to me, is the PCW Academy. 
and what we're doing here in Melbourne, Australia. You know, I um, I look at it like this. Uh, you know, I heard I heard a a guy once say his, his name's Conor McGregor. He's a UFC fighter. There was a um, there was an interview, and someone said, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm from this little country. I can't remember what the country was, but we don't have UFC, right? We don't have it. But I'm a fighter. How am I ever going to make it to the UFC?" Is what he said. And um, Conor turned around and said, just be the best where you're from. He goes, I don't even know your country. And I know who, like, I, I don't know anything about it, but there could be fighting there. But I don't know who the best is. Why don't you become the best? Why don't you become the best where you're from? And that's where I've looked at it. And it really inspired me, man, because I thought to myself, yeah, what's in Melbourne? I want to be the best where I'm from. I want to be. I, I genuinely want to be the best where I'm from. I want to produce produce the best talent that Melbourne, Australia, Australia in general has ever seen. I want to produce the best facility. I want to produce a place where people can come and be like, man, I can't believe we have this in Melbourne, Australia. Because I love Melbourne. I love Australia. I don't really want to move away. I did. I travelled in 2007 for 12 months. It was awesome. Um, I, I miss my family a lot. I, I, I like Melbourne. I like. I like everything about it, you know, and um, the big part of me doesn't want to give give that up, you know, whereas I, I look at someone like Chris Atkins, right, and he's built for it. What I mean, like I'm a smaller guy, I'm five foot nine, I'm 80, 85 kilos, um, some would say I'm a cruiserweight, some would say I'm a medium build, whatever it is, but at the end of the day, you look at someone like Chris Atkins and not only does he have the look, because I'm a, I'm a realist as well, you do have to be a giant to get noticed. You have to be a giant. You can be good, but you have to really catch the eye. You, you've got to be, you've got to be like a purebred or, athlete. You know you what I mean? you really, really good, like Rey Mysterio good. Yeah, and, and here's, here's the other thing. Now, this is the other thing people don't think about as well. These guys, like if, if I, I spent one year, 2007, in Kentucky, and my first match was a televised taping for OVW, right? Imagine if I'd have spent two years there. Imagine if I'd have spent three years there. Four years. I just hung around, met people. I feel like if you live in the States, you've almost got no excuse not to at least have some sort of big involvement at some stage of your career. But for Australia, America is so far away. The dollar sucks. It's like 60-something cents at the moment. You know, 67 cents, 68 cents. Um, so even planning a holiday, and you take your family into consideration. You take your, your girlfriend. You take everything into consideration. You also ask yourself, you go, hey, man, I'm 30 years old, you know? Um, and, and not just that. I've got a life. I've got a good life, a life that I enjoy, and I get the best of everything in it. So, you know, unless something big came along, I, I, I feel like there's a bigger dream to be chased here in Melbourne to me. And um, that excites me. That really excites me, that there's a bigger dream for me to be here in Melbourne to be chased and, and trying to put, in some way, shape or form, Melbourne on the map or at least, at the absolute least, put smiles on people's faces that already come to the shows. You know, And if that's where it gets to, if that's the mecca of it all, is doing the 400 people, then, hey, man, I used uh, Cena as an example before, is imagine all the bubble of happiness. And you think um, 16 years PCW has been going, all the hundreds of shows we've done, and then you put that in one big bubble, there's a lot of happy people. So it's a really good environment to be around. I love it. And so 
As far as ambition is concerned, I don't know. But I know my future is in wrestling, and that really excites me. So do you think uh, uh, an Australian-based major wrestling company could be sustained like to the level of a New Japan or a TNA or even a, to the level of a WWE? Do you reckon one could be sustained well, in Australia? I, I go to a thing called the Cauliflower Club. Um, it, they have these big reunions in uh, Las Vegas. And I was speaking with Ricky Steamboat. And I said to Ricky, I go, hey, Ricky, so what, what's the go of Australia? You know, are we on the map? What is it? And he says to me, he goes, look, this is the one thing you, you need to understand. He goes, hey, look at this as a universe. Australia is a big part of that universe. If something big enough happens there, who knows, man? Who knows? And, um, yeah, so, so at the end of the day, people like, you know, Matt Silver, Murphy, Emma, Chris Atkins, man, things are starting to get shaken up in Australia and, and everybody knows that it exists. That's really cool. It, it sounds like with the way you're talking about PCW, is uh, that might be Australia's flag bearer for the Australian wrestling industry, so to speak. Well, man, uh, I don't, honestly, I, I couldn't tell you what other promotions in Australia two years straight has drawn over 1,200 people to, to shows. And now, when you think about something like Rod Laver Arena, 1,200 people is jack. It's not much. But when you think about professional wrestling and you think 1,200 people, and we're talking about the Warnable Stadium, that was full. That was chocolates. Check out the, the YouTube page. That's what I was saying. And back-to-back -back years, we did that. And, you know, to a certain extent, we were... We were playing with things at that point in time. Ideas, different ways of setting up, different ways of marketing. You know, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. So, yeah, I do believe that. I genuinely believe that. Um, I also we, also, want... we also do the most shows. We also do the most shows in Australia, hands down. Yeah, we just about run weekly. We just about run weekly. So and you we've post got... DVDs and everything else you were saying? That's correct. Yeah, it's and it's only it's only growing. We're just really starting to tip the iceberg on things like merchandise and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it can only grow. You know, it can it can, it can really only grow. And um, I think I think the main thing is is just to know that um, we have a drive, we have a vision, and we have a goal. We have a common goal. You know, PCW, the crew at PCW, and it's very exciting. And um, yeah, I just I just hope something something cool happens, and you know they say what does punk say? Lucky's for losers. <laughs> so we're going to swing for the fences and see what happens. Who knows? I have to admit, I was going to say this a bit earlier, but uh, one of the things I was very into Japanese wrestling <coughs> and very into American wrestling. Obviously, I don't know much about European wrestling, although I want to get into it. From what I've been hearing about Grado and a few other wrestlers over yeah. in uh, the UK and Europe, but in Australia, the uh, there were three wrestlers that uh, got me into the Australian wrestling scene more recently. Those were you, those were uh, Daniel Swagger and Cracker Jack. Ah, cool. Simply yep. because I love the way Cracker Jack talked. There's another guy, man. There's another guy I feuded with that. Um... Oh man, he's fun to wrestle against. <laughs> in, 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 for for all the wrong reasons, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
I, no, I, but, um, I look at him and I think, well, if the wrestling industry was, <laughs> if he was around 20 years ago at his peak, he would have made it in the WWE. Because he was a more, less foul mouth, no, sorry, a more foul mouth version of Sabu. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he definitely, he pushes the boundaries as far as family entertainment's concerned. Um, <laughs> he, 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 it's, it's, it's fair to say that crack is almost glorified, not suitable for family entertainment. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Crackers, more so than being a professional wrestler or more so than being an entertainer, Crackers is an artist. Um, and he's a really good artist at that as well. Um, he, he's really good at making sort of like figures and uh, sculpting. But on top of that, he, he does a lot of artwork as well. And he's got his own sort of uh, group of people that are into that. But, um I think Crackers is more in love with the art. And similar to the view of like what I said before, I'm just happy to go out and perform. Someone like Cracker Jack is the exact same. Yeah. He's just happy to go out and perform. And and I feel like the reason you'd be connected to someone like a Cracker Jack or someone like a Daniel Swagger or even myself is because you're looking at three of the best, three of the best that love the industry, you know? Yeah. And when you look at it and you go, wait a second, these guys are for real. They genuinely love what they're doing. They're giving everything they've got to the audience. And, um, yeah, man, I just feel like you can sense that vibe, that these guys are doing it because they love it, not because they, they're getting paid or they have to be there or for whatever reason. They, they, they genuinely love it. And, and I feel like Crackers is another guy. He's an artist and he loves his art. Yeah, exactly. He actually has some unique things. Uh, I think I saw a video of him doing an artwork where he was swinging by his feet and then he bladed his head and he was... That's uh, my bl- example. Yep. <laughs> this is my example. <laughs> yeah, he, he, the artwork was just blood splatters. And then he put yeah, Blood splatter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then uh, to, to quote Cracker Jack when I had that conversation, and I said, so, uh, you know, you, you've, you've hung yourself upside down. You've, you've smacked yourself in your head a few times. You bled all over this canvas. What did it end up looking like? He goes, well, to be quite honest, Tricky, didn't really look like blood after a while. It just started to look like feces. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, well, blood gets awfully dark. <laughs> uh, I, someday I want to uh, try and get him on the show as well. Simply, like I said, because the conversation oh, dude, I reckon it's... I could have with him is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Um, yeah. Okay, so WWE Hall of Fame 2016, do you have Ooh. any predictions for who's going in? My prediction for their obligatory diva entry is Victoria. Oh, that's not bad. That's not a bad one. I feel like it's a bit soon, but then again, you just don't know. Well, she um, went into the Qualifier Hour Club uh, Hall of Fame like last year. Yeah, CAC are a bit... 50-50 on who they induct. Sometimes they jump the gun. Sometimes they wait too long. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I, I'd have to say, look, as long as they can get all the legal issues sort of sorted out and all that kind of stuff, I think it's very promising that there's an Owen Hart DVD coming out yeah. because obviously Owen Hart's widow, um, it appears from what I understand, she just doesn't like the wrestling. She doesn't like it. And, you know, you, you understand it. You do understand it. It, it took her husband's life. And um, so she, there's a lot of resentment there. But 
I know that the rest of the family, I know that people like Bret Hart and all that are very keen on seeing him in the Hall of Fame. And I know Bret Hart's been... I've actually been, except for this year, with the exception of WrestleMania 31, I went to 28, 29, 30 of WrestleManias. So it's awesome. I love it. I haven't been to one yet, but I really want to go. I so badly want to go man. to 32. You'll... Um, you, 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 the problem with it is you'll get addicted to it. And uh, like me this year when WrestleMania 31 was happening and I wasn't there, I was, uh, I was feeling quite emo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Um, but yeah, as far as predictions, uh, you'd say Owen. I'd say Owen, but it just depends. But I can't really think. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like who's the next big guy to go into the Hall of Fame? Could it be Kurt Angle? You know, <laughs> like... If, he, if Kurt can finish his career up at DNA, it will be him. But they're in Texas, so I'm going to say it's either Sting or Taker. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I've heard the rumours and that kind of stuff, but I'm, I can't say I'm entirely sure. I'll be very interested to see a list when it comes out. But, hey, man, you talked about obligatory people. How about the uh, the celebrity? Who do you reckon's going in this year? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, that's a really hard judgment because so many people have worked with WWE over the years, but I'm going to go really, really far out there and say Aretha Franklin. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. You know, speaking of breaking ground earlier, I, did you notice who was narrating it? Yeah, yeah, uh, William Shatner. And he, William Shatner. He's done a lot of work with the company and he, he inducted Jerry Lawler as well. So I wonder if there's a chance someone like William Shatner would be a chance of going in. Oh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. That would be good. But uh, one one prediction I'm going to say that I'm pretty confident is a lock is I'm going to say Sean Waltman. Uh, oh, yeah, that's just that got all the other click members in there. Yeah, I reckon they're building it to uh, Triple H. Oh, I reckon oh, he's going to go in it? the night before 33. Next year, it will be Triple H, and then his retirement match will be the night after. Oh, I don't know. I wonder if, if Tripp actually wants to give it up, though. Is it part, I reckon he loves... It, it's, it's like, he's got his... What, what do you say? You've got a, your finger in so many pies. He wants to, He just wants to eat it all, though, you know? He just wants to, he wants to have all the pies. So, um, I don't know, man. I think he's... I think guys like Triple H, you know, even Vince McMahon, the family... The people that are in, I'm not sure if they'll go into the Hall of Fame as singular. Well, uh, Vincent, uh, Vincent J. McMahon's in the Hall of Fame, so maybe. Never know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it will be interesting. It will be interesting. Speaking of WrestleMania this year, the uh, the main event, I wasn't thrilled to see Roman Reigns going there because he bores me. Uh, oh come on! Leave Roman alone. If, if Roman, if Roman had won the Rumble, not this year but last year, everyone would have gone mental. Everyone would have wrapped. They left it a year too late. They did, <laughs> but they did. But I'm a huge Bray Wyatt fan, and I think he's got ah. the best gimmick and the best in ring and the it, best before, uh, yeah. promos in the business at the moment. Fair call. Fair call. And he's had the, a rough end of the stick. <laughs> they've just. Did you watch Raw uh, last week? I didn't, no. Actually, I was not, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I think I did. But all I know is that, look, Bray Wyatt doesn't have a great track record of winning the big one, you know? And uh, I feel there's a lot of uh, fan resentment there. But uh, they've given him Taker. Given him Taker's character. They've, That's uh, right. After yep. Hell in a Cell, they, uh, 
the butt legitimately have given it to him. They uh, did this thing where the White family carried off Taker. Then they're not after they carried off Kane, who they now call Damien Kane. And then uh, last week on Raw, he appeared and uh, he was like, Yeah, I've taken their essence, so to speak, uh, <laughs> their souls or whatever. And then he shot lightning and thunder. Then he blew up the ring in fire. The same as Kane and Taker used to do. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, I am them now. So the company has put so much stock in them that they've given them their biggest character. And I just noticed the, the Brothers of Destruction DVD has just come out in WWE DVDs. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one because I noticed that uh, Taker and Kane have had a, had a little bit of a, a quiet reunion on some house shows in yeah, America. exactly. And... Uh, I think it's going to be the Brothers of Destruction versus the White Family of Survivor Series. And it's, it's Taker's 25th anniversary, so they've got to do something big. That's true. That's true. Um, so right now we're going to wrap up the interview, Tricky. Thank you for coming on the show. I just uh, it's been to, my absolute pleasure. I just wanted to ask you if you have any social media plugs for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or a website even. Yep, all of the above is at This Is Tricky. That's T-R-I-K-K-I. So that's at This Is Tricky, and that's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and, 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 yeah, as far as YouTube's concerned, uh, slash Tricky, or alternatively, you can go to TrickyTube.com, T-R-I-K-K-I-Tube.com. And, obviously, you can't forget what we were talking about earlier in this podcast, which is the 16th anniversary spectacular PCW Roadville. 1325 Stud Road, Roeville, and that's going to be taking place on September 14. It's going to be tricky running the gauntlet against Tone Fleet, Nash Archer, Chris Trio for the state championship. And if Tricky loses, that's it. I'm done. And I'm going to be a full time coach at the PCW Academy. And that would be it. Do you mean December or? Uh, November. November, because you were sorry, saying sorry, sorry, September. Sorry, sorry. My, my bad, my bad. No, September 14. Sorry, yeah, that's 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 my bad eyesight when I'm looking down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> September 14th. So, good, right, good spotting. Right now, and of course, we... of course, au for information on training, shows, all of the above, merchandise, www.pcwentertainment.com. Very well done. But uh, I have one last question. I end every single interview I ever do on this last question. It's a multiple choice question. Yes. Uh, and I can modify one of them for you if you want me to. Uh, so it's pick one. You either A, get to ask me a question. B, B, ask a really strange or weird question. C, Give me the quote of the week for next week's show, or D, pick a song of the week for this week's show, or I can change that to pick a match of the week for this week's show. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay. I'm gonna ask you a question. What's five foot nine, weighs eighty five kilograms, and disappears in a flash? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great way to end that. That was uh, tricky, and w- the interview is obviously over. Uh, yeah. Please hang up and try again. 
And thank you, Tricky, for being on the show. That was a very unique way to end the uh, interview. The uh, what was eighty-five kilos and was it five foot nine, and disappears in a flash. Beep. <laughs> it had me laughing. That's for sure. That was a very unique way to end the interview. And uh, I want to thank him for being on the show. The results to the match that actually we talk about in that interview, the gauntlet match. Uh, that was uh, took place on dis on November fourteenth, which was last night. And sorry, this interview got uploaded late. It was supposed to be uploaded last Wednesday, as I keep saying. But uh, the results to that match are: he won the gauntlet match by a disqualification, so he kept his career, but he didn't get the title. He didn't win the belt, but he won the career. If you know what I mean, because the only way to win the belt is by a pinfall or submission in professional wrestling. Anyway, I've gone into why I chose to do a professional wrestling interview rather than a musician's interview. And that was because I have a passion for professional wrestling. And I see the connection. Whoa, sorry. I see the connection between professional wrestling and music. Anyway, uh, next week's interview or guest, well, actually, by the time you actually listen to this, it will be this week's. So, <laughs> this week is going to be a double whammy. This show actually belongs to last week. Anyway, um, I'm not sure who it's going to be. It'll be one of three people. But uh, I'll let you know who it's going to be uh, before... The episode airs, obviously, on Facebook or Twitter. And Twitter, for that matter. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Formula Lockdown. Or Twitter is at the FML Podcast. Uh, all one word. And um, on next week's show also, we're going to be having uh, the revival of Good, Bad and Ugly song covers. We're going to have the uh, final ugly vote. And if you want to weigh in on that, you can hit me up on the social media or the email, which is formalalockdown at gmail.com. Or you can go to uh, the Twitter, which is at the FML podcast, all one word. Or you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash formalalockdown. That being said, just go to search, search for my lockdown podcast, and it will come up uh, with that skull logo that says the FML podcast in red inside. Anyway, um, on next week's show as well, during the week, if you want to go to those, uh, those social media outlets and let me know, who do you think deserves the album of the year as far as metal goes, uh, We'll put our votes in, and yeah. Uh, this year, I'm thinking about running the uh, former lockdown better of the year once again. But the problem with that is, I haven't been running very many shows this year. So I don't know if I should, or if I shouldn't. Uh, either way, uh, I'll let you know what's happening. The... Hazard Circular, who won the last year's, uh, the 2014 Band of the Year Award, uh, 
um, haven't got their, their reward yet, which is a skull bottle engraved with their name and the year they won it, possible a gentleman jack. Uh, they haven't got it yet because I went to post it and then the person at the post office said I've either posted it incorrectly or packaged it incorrectly. I can't remember exactly what she said. But uh, because I had to put a jack in there, there's a special way I've got to do it. And I've got to pay out the ass to get that bottle to them. So, uh, apparently, anyway, uh, either I'm going to go to a new post office and see what I can do, or I'm going to save up and send it to them. That's why they haven't got it yet. I haven't actually spoken to them in a while. They will get it. I have the address. I have the package ready to go. It's just a matter of sending it to them. Uh, and it will happen. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Thank you to... Triggy for being a guest on the show this week. Thank you for all you for to thank you for all you who downloaded and listened. If you want to rate, review, or share the show, please go to iTunes, get the uh, feed, and do whatever you do. Uh, tell your friends about us. That's how I get more popular. That's how the show gets more popular. That's how advertisers want to advertise on the show. That's how I can pay for better interviews. That's how I can go to concerts and do live interviews because I'm not going to actually afford to fucking get there. Anyway, um, yeah, bye. I love you.